You know, one of the sweetest words uh, in the English language is the word included. Um, the 90 degree temperatures we had uh, two weeks ago took out my AC. It wasn't very old, but it took it out nonetheless. So I went to the dealer with fear and trembling, with much prayer. And, uh, uh, um, and, and so the news wasn't good. A six-year-old car, the compressor is shot and needs to be replaced. And the three-year warranty has expired. Fortunately, uh, uh, you know those pesty little phone calls you get about the extended warranty? I actually bought, when I uh, got the car, I bought an extended warranty. And so then the service advisor pronounced that beautiful word, included in the warranty. And so all of that work and other work that needed to be done was included. Isn't there, uh, isn't that such a wonderful word, included? And is there any more painful word? than excluded. Can, can I come too? Says our daughter when we're going out for our first date. No, honey, you're going to stay with the babysitter. Can, can I go with brother or sister? No, this is for big kids. When we were in Texas over spring break, uh, our, our oldest grandson um, was playing on a, a baseball team, a, a, a little I don't know. It's not Little League. It's like pre-pre-pre-Little League. Uh, <laughs> I know there's a name for it, and uh, but I don't know what it is. And anyway, so the younger, three years younger, can't be on the team. But he didn't even want to watch Brother. He wanted to play. So while everyone else is watching Brother, I'm over there tossing a plastic wiffle ball, and he's smacking that ball crazy. And uh, uh, he, he wants to be included. I, I just got an invitation to the party in the reception. Did you? I think we lost the mic here, folks. It says it's on. Well, it's, it's low battery. I'll trade you. Thank you. Now I'm included. Wonderful. Thank you. I just got an invitation to the party or the reception. Did you? Well, not yet, but I hope to soon. I'm sorry, sir. Your name's not on the list. I can't let you in unless your name is on the list. Included. Or excluded. In the first days of the church, the Christians had to learn that one of the primary implications of the gospel is that you, all people, are included. These Christians had to unpack a lot of their baggage. They had to unlearn centuries-old traditions and centuries-old beliefs in order to understand this movement that the Holy Spirit was working that we find in the book of Acts. Now, last week in, the, uh, uh, in our sermon, we looked at Stephen, the first Christian martyr. Uh, he was one of the seven men who were chosen to distribute food to needy widows in Jerusalem. His execution that we looked at and talked about led to an outbreak of persecution, and the disciples went running, kind of like when uh, uh, you, you turn on the light and all your little critters go running 
that's what happened with the disciples. But the difference was everywhere they went, they went preaching the word. Philip was another one of the seven in that first shift of uh, uh, table waiters. And he ended up in Samaria. And in the first part of chapter Acts, we read how he, uh, Acts chapter 8, we read how he had a flourishing ministry. He was preaching, casting out demons. More and more people were coming to faith. And it was just an outbreak of people uh, of, of the gospel among the Samaritans. Now, Samaritans were half Jews. Crossbreeds or half breeds as Cher saying years and years and well, decades and dec- maybe centuries ago. I don't know. Our, our text today comes from the last half of Acts chapter eight, verses 26 through 40. Now, we call it the book of Acts. The full title is Acts of the Apostles. And even that title is not original with the manuscript. That's a title that was put by people, uh, the first people that were reading and translating the book. And for them, what it suggested was that's what Acts is about. Acts of the apostles, the primary ones being Peter and Paul. We know from last week and today that some very key individuals and some key happenings are taking place that the apostles were not quite involved with. And so as I read this text, I want you to listen for or look for who the real protagonist protagonist is, who is the real leading man, as it were, in this text. Acts chapter eight, verses 26 through 40. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south or go at noon. Same word, uh, uh, different translations. Go south or noon down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia a eunuch of great authority under Candace or Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Asotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. So who's a leading man in this story? 
It's not Philip. It's not the Ethiopian. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. It's God himself, first through the angel and then through the actual working of the Holy Spirit. This is a story of God wanting to include someone in the kingdom that up to this point had not been included. God is chasing after this man from Ethiopia. Philip runs to catch up with the chariot. God has chosen his servant Philip to be his instrument in making sure this man was included in the kingdom. But this man? This man? He was a high-ranking official for the queen of Ethiopia, the treasurer. I'm not even sure who the corresponding person would be here in the United States. It, we're not talking about current-day Ethiopia. It's a little bit further north. Uh, in biblical times, Ethiopia was the last, the, the southern part of Egypt and the northern part of Sudan. But, but Ethiopians were people of color that were considered curious because they looked different than your typical Jew in Jerusalem. Now, in Jerusalem, there would have been no white people, more darker skinned, but not quite as dark as Ethiopians. In fact, in the first century, people from Ethiopia were considered to be people from the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth. There's one more detail about this Ethiopian that Luke wants to highlight. Five times he tells us that this man was a eunuch. Now, the word can mean just an official. It came to mean that. But Luke has already told us he was an official, someone with power and authority. So he's not using this word to describe his standing in society. He's using this word to describe his physical condition. It was common to castrate boys who were being groomed to work in the palace, the queen. They would castrate them before puberty. And this provided some assurance that they would not sexually molest or rape the queen or anyone in the king's harem. Now, since this took place before the boys reached puberty, they went through their adolescence and their development without the testosterone their male bodies would normally have produced. And all of that that goes along with what testosterone does to a male body. Because of this not fully male condition of eunuchs, the law of Moses prohibited these individuals from entering the temple and being considered for priesthood or service in the kingdom, whether it was intentional, whether it was by accident, whatever happened. They were excluded. But, but Philip doesn't argue with the angel when the angel tells him to go up. He allows the Holy Spirit to work through him. And in fact, God had already been preparing Philip to work with non-Jews. And now he finds himself working with someone from the ends of the earth. There's a Chinese proverb. When the wind of change blows, wind of, when the wind of change blows, some build walls. Some build windmills. Philip was building a windmill. There are four questions that 
uh, uh, that we find in our text, and they serve as a convenient way to kind of think through this text. Philip asked the first one, and then the others are asked by the Ethiopian. You know, the ends of the earth, that makes it, and it reminds us of what Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, that you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Philip is the living embodiment of that mission of expansion of the kingdom among the peoples that God was wanting to reach. This is God's mission. And Philip chose to be a windmill rather than building a wall. The the first question is Philip's question to the man. Do you understand what you are reading? Now, we don't know what this man's experience in Jerusalem was. The scripture tells us that he was coming from Jerusalem. He had gone to worship. We, we don't know if his experience was positive or negative. He, he would have had mannerisms that would have demonstrated his lack of testosterone. Perhaps in the timber of his voice or his mannerisms. He, he might have been told that as a eunuch... As someone with an alternative sexual identity, he had no business among the people of God. He might have been told to look up in his Bible, the book of Deuteronomy and the book of Leviticus, where it clearly says these people are excluded. Or someone might have told him to read the book of Isaiah. Because in Isaiah chapter 56 three chapters beyond what he was reading. In Isaiah chapter 56, verses 4 and 5, we read and hear these words. For this is what the Lord says, I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them Within the walls of my, do you hear the inclusion? I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons or daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. And if this eunuch leaving Jerusalem had been reading these words, now there was hope. There was good news. I can be included. I can be a part And as he's thumbing through his copy of the book of Isaiah, which very few people would have had access to, he was obviously very wealthy, perhaps a God-fearer. As he's thumbing through, he comes across a text he just doesn't understand. And at the right time, Holy Spirit sends Philip and asks, do you understand what you're reading? The Ethiopian responds with another question. How can I understand unless someone guides me? You know, I I think there's an important principle here. Uh, If you come to a difficult text that just doesn't seem to make sense, that you're having a hard time fitting in with other things that you've read and other things that are going on, it's not a bad idea to look for help understanding the text. Now, God has given us all a certain level of intelligence and discernment. 
But there is no way without outside help that we can truly understand the intricacies of the original language and the cultural situations and the context in which these texts were written. And this guidance can come from from uh, 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 from from study Bibles, from commentaries, from Bible teachers, from books, articles. Uh, and, and in today's world, from videos of sermons and uh, classes and speeches and podcasts. We understand that none of those additional helps are inspired, but they can help provide some guidance as we link, look through these texts. So the Ethiopian asks, how can I understand the text unless someone guides me? And then follows immediately with the second question, is the prophet, Isaiah, speaking about himself or someone else? Now, as we recognize, and in fact, uh, 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 Raphael made reference and actually quoted a phrase from Isaiah 53 uh, in, in his Lord's Supper talk. As we know, Philip was uh, the eunuch was reading from Isaiah 53. Philip knows, as we do now, 2000 years later, he was talking about Jesus. And so Philip preaches the good news about Jesus, the gospel to this eunuch from Ethiopia who's working as the treasurer for the queen of Ethiopia. You know, it can be risky to preach the gospel to everyone. It can be risky because some of those people just might want to obey it. And that leads to the Ethiopian's next and last question. Why can't I be baptized? You know, I'm not sure what, have, what would have surprised uh, Philip more. The question or the fact that there was a body of water where in the middle of the desert where you sure enough you could be baptized. But what an amazing question. Why can't I be included? Does my skin color prohibit me? Does my nationality prohibit me? Does my position or authority prohibit me? Does my alternative sexual identity prohibit me? What prohibits me from being included among the people of God? The eunuch asks. And the spirit says, absolutely nothing. Nothing keeps you from being a part of the family of God. And Philip was faithful to the Spirit's guiding and baptized this Ethiopian eunuch into the family of God. Now, Luke doesn't tell us what happened after this to the Ethiopian eunuch, but early Christian uh, historians do. Said he went back to Ethiopia, was a powerful evangelist, and as a result, some of the earliest, outside of Jerusalem, some of the earliest churches and evidence we have for Christianity come from that part of Africa. If you were to go to that part of Africa and even into Ethiopia, you're going to find temples that date back centuries because they were all recipients of this word that came from this Ethiopian. Now, Luke doesn't tell us the story, the continuing story of the Ethiopian, but he does tell us the continuing story of Philip. Luke tells us that the spirit, as he has been moving all along, picked up 
Philip, and put him on a northern road heading to a different town. And so Philip just went on his way, preaching in every town until he reaches the city of Caesarea. There he settles down, marries, and has children. And Luke tells us in Acts chapter 21 that Paul, Luke, and the entourage that were going through on one of the missionary journeys stayed with Philip while they were traveling. And in, in verses 8 and 9 of Acts chapter 21, Luke also adds this little note that Philip had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. Now, we don't know what exactly that means. We don't know how they articulated that gift. I mean, in order to be a prophet, you had to somehow communicate that message that you received from the Lord. We don't know in what context they did that. But don't you think it's interesting and perhaps fitting that the first Christian Jew to work among non-Jews, the Samaritans, and then the first Christian Jew to baptize a Gentile or someone from a different ethnicity and country would then have four daughters who were prophets. All along the way, every step of the way, Philip has been faithful to the leading of God. He obeyed God even when it went against his tradition, his beliefs, and his understanding and his upbringing. Philip is truly one of the greats in the book of Acts. May God give us more men and women who have hearts like Philip's. And let me also add that if you have never been baptized as an adult and are wondering if you can, the answer is yes, you are included. And we want to join with you and we want to help you go on your way rejoicing, whatever that might look like. And so if you have not been baptized as an adult, we would love to help you. Please make your desire known and we will study. We'll have another baptism this afternoon after the Spanish service. So please consider and reach out and let us know.